Good morning. My name is Tim Hodep. I am your canon for mission collaboration, which means I work in all nearly 170 of our parishes across Connecticut. Any congregation that wants to talk about what God's up to in their neighborhood, it's the traditional congregational development kind of job that I have in lots of non-traditional parts of my portfolio. I'm happy to be here at St. Stephen's. I've been in Connecticut since late 2012, and this is my first time with you. I've been talking to Whitney over the last couple of years, and a couple of months ago said, you know what, I need to get St. Stephen's on my calendar. And when she called, she said, you're in luck. This is a weekend I can't be here. I'm at the happening weekend up at camp. Can you do it for me? And I said, well, you're in luck. I have that weekend free, so this is going to work out just fine. And I'm really happy to be with you. Siri, who sits on my dashboard, told me how to get here. And I've learned a lot from Siri over the last five years. I come from Minnesota, which you can fit Connecticut to in the bottom third of the state. And uh, coming here and not knowing where I was going, and still half the time I don't. I've learned from her that during the week when I stumble, get frustrated, get moved off my destination, all I have to do is breathe and say, recalculating. <laughs> it's a good lesson. We human beings have an amazing capacity to get used to almost anything. Sights and sounds, tastes and smells, attitudes, bring it on, repeat, repeat, and eventually we don't even notice. We sit in the library, Carol, we're studying, and somebody next to us is tap, tap, tappity, tapping their pen against the notebook. And that's going to fade or it's going to drive us crazy. You step up to a friend's home for dinner. You can smell the wood smoke as you walk in. It's a wonderful scent. By the end of the evening, you don't even know it's there. That first forkful of homemade apple pie, where you've got tender apples with a bite bathed in buttery brown sugar and cinnamon. The crust is flaking on the roof of your mouth. By the time you finish off that piece of pie, it's not quite like that first bite. Xenophobia, misogyny, racism, homophobia, or give it a, a twist, bullying, belittling, verbal beating, that's one crowd source away from fists. And that too can become commonplace. Whether it's an annoyance or a pleasure or pain, we tend to make room for it. Think about the first robin you see in the springtime. There's nothing quite like it. I had more than 100 of them in the snow in the backyard this past week. It's amazing. And you hear that familiar sound that says it's spring. And a month from now, I'll barely notice the, the thrill of those birds. People with whom we live and profess to love can often fall prey to that same pattern where it becomes increasingly difficult for me to keep them in mind, to truly be mindful of them, until something dreadful happens and then I'm reminded by others, don't go to bed tonight without kissing the ones you love. Even more obviously, how easily we can find ourselves going out of the way for the perfect stranger, and we don't afford that same grace to the people that we're living with. Of course, we Christians, whether it's the familiar and the strange, insiders or outsiders, residents or aliens, Jesus invites us to remind ourselves that they all deserve our attention and respect. 
I'm reminded of a friend of mine who was waiting at Chicago O'Hare for her flight, and she dove into one of her favorite pastimes, and that's people watching. So she sees the family with the strollers and the kids piling out of their arms as they move to the front of the onboarding line. And she sees the flight attendants in their nice, crisp uniforms and their tight little uniform matching bags that they're pulling behind them. And the young professionals that are going to some far-off boardroom that are all perfect and ready and waiting, tapping on their iPads. And then all of a sudden she was struck by the sound behind her when she heard, Lenore, Lenore, get out here. And she turned and looked, and here's this old guy rocking back and forth, one foot to the other, standing in front of a brightly lit open door with the icon of the lady on it. Lenore, we're going to miss our plane. And then out comes Lenore, the little lady with her white pin curls against her blushing face. Boy, what a moment to be so familiar that he has no idea where she is and that intemperate, impatient exchange makes that even more pathetic. And I couldn't help but wonder how many years in the making was that moment? When did he begin to get so used to her that he publicly abuses her without pause? This woman that I would imagine he once was head over heels in love with had become so taken for granted, so easily treated with such disrespect. And I wonder about her, too. When had she given it up? We humans get used to practically anything. What was it like for the man that was born blind in today's gospel to get used to seeing? The percentage of babies born blind is very small. In the United States last year, 0.14% of U.S. births were blind. Blindness usually comes from some pathology, or an injury later in life. So how does this gentleman build a life in a world that's built for people who can see? Tentative footsteps, keen listening skills, the discerning every turn with his hands and his ears and the tap, tap, tap of his toes out in front of him. He's forced to make room for others and to create a life that's patterned on accommodating others. What was it like for the first time to see the sparkling waters of Siloam come into his vision and to hear the familiar voice of his mother and for the first time to see her face or the beard of his father that surely he felt as a kid and now to see the man behind that beard. It's an amazing moment. Lent's the time for us to allow Jesus to shed some of the blindness that we've got and allow us to see free of the blindness that tends to make its way into our lives and into our commitments, free to take on a whole new way of looking at the world. Those things that have become so familiar and have fainted away or faded away into the shadows of our lives. Lent's an opportunity to scrutinize what we're in the habit of accommodating and examine those patterns of our hearts. And the patterns of our hearts, the good patterns, the good habits, those are virtues, Those bad patterns, bad habits, those are vices, and we all struggle with them. Those areas that we're blinded to, maybe subtly, maybe not so subtly. Lent guards us against becoming oblivious to our tendency to be blind and to treat God and each other like the old man treats Lenore. And notably, Lent's an opportunity to seriously consider 
those relationships that have the most profound effect on our lives, the people that we live with and have committed ourselves to, God, who has covenanted himself to us and we to God in baptism, we have been anointed just like David was anointed this morning. All of us who are baptized have the holy oil put on our foreheads, anointed as sacred priests in the church. That's what we are called to be. Seeing again, taking time to recognize, recognition, recognize that we're in a community that through shared stories and worship and faith and lives, we're called to see clearly and witness more faithfully to God in our midst. Seeing again, taking a good hard look, helps us the second time around to see what might have faded away. Recall Ash Wednesday when we Christians around the world had our foreheads marked with ashes. A stark reminder that we're all dust. And we're heading back to dust. I remember when I was a really young priest and an old Irish guy saying to me, you know, Father, none of us is getting out of here alive. That's always stuck with me. And Lent invites us to resist that urge to take Jesus for granted. Instead, think about it, it's as if the mud's been washed away from our eyes and we can see the world around us as deserving of dignity and deserving of our respect from those covenanted relationships to God, to our spouses and children, to family and friends outside of our homes, to this fragile earth that we call and claim our own, blinded as we may be to these precious gifts. But we're human, and part of that being blind is, is actually a good thing. If we didn't ignore the person shouting on their smartphone next to us, who knows what we would do. If we weren't able to have an easy understanding of what it is to see our children before they go to bed and remind ourselves to take them into our hands and into our hearts and to give them a kiss. If we weren't reminded regularly that I've got a quick temper and it's something I need to be mindful of. If we didn't hear the powerful voice of God occasionally in amazing moments, we wouldn't tend to listen to God as carefully. So Lent gives me the church's time-limited offer to take a second look. And we're halfway through it, but that doesn't mean we're done. There's still time to pray a little bit more, fast a little bit more, keep the poor in mind with the gifts we've been given. And why bother? Because, my dear anointed sisters and brothers, the world needs you. The world needs you. We live in a world that is more and more tired and worn out. There's hungry for someone, anyone, to show us the kindness of God. Who doesn't yearn among us to step away from the impatience, the anxiety, the fear that's out there wherever we turn and instead move towards some semblance of peace and stability, something to hold on to that is different, a little bit of joy? Who doesn't wish that for our children? We join our sisters around the world, our brothers and sisters who are yearning for something. Around the world, in a world where hundreds die in terrorist attacks, from Brussels, San Bernardino, Mali, and Istanbul, to Orlando, Mogadishu, Nice, Jerusalem, where disparity reigns in a culture where the brown and the black have little regard, 
where we find ourselves tens of thousands facing death in the Near East, imperiled as they flee, seeking refuge across Europe, and yes, in the United States, and yes, finding it even here in Connecticut, where increasing extreme weather climate events pose a serious threat to all of our health and welfare. We're here in Connecticut, more than 23% of our kids live in poverty. And that's where poverty is measured for a family of four living with $24,000 in a year. Where the racist, misogynist, xenophobic rhetoric has somehow morphed its way into normalizing the politics of hatred. And where in the United States, since 12.01 a.m. January 1st, 2017, and two days ago, Friday afternoon, the more than 13,000 violent gun incidents resulting in the deaths of thousands, including hundreds of children and a boy 15 years old in Hartford last week, translates to more than one death every 35 minutes. So who died since we began our service this morning? Is it unsettling and frightening? Yeah. Is it heartbreaking and overwhelming? And I say this especially for the young people in the room. It can be, and it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be because of you. When these doors open onto Main Street, you step out into the mission field of St. Stephen's, which is the Episcopal Church here in Ridgefield. This is your places of influence and your spheres where you can, as disciples of Jesus Christ, find many opportunities to join God in doing something different in the world. Step out into this world this morning like you're seeing it for the first time. See it through the eyes of Jesus this Lent. See it as if you've never stepped outside these church doors before. Be interested, give in to your curiosity, follow your hearts because your hearts are, are leading you where God wants you to be. Make a difference. Dare to make a difference. Dare to be bold. My friends, before the sun sets this evening, you will have an opportunity to be Jesus in the world, disciples of Christ, to be his hands and feet, his eyes and heart, his compassion and his care. Look at the world through Jesus' eyes, and it's as close as the person next to you. When I got to Connecticut five years ago, I had no idea what a stop and shop was, and now I've got one of those little plastic things on my keychain. Stepping into the stop and shop, this happened a couple of years ago, I held the door for a young mom whose brow was furrowed. The kids that she was with, two of them were creating havoc. And I just held the door, and I, I smiled, and I said, I've been there. And her brow went away. It gave her a moment to re-register, reset her life right there. It says nothing about me. I mean, I could have very easily have said, oh, kids, and grabbed my cart and moved on because, yep, I've got that tendency too. As you walk through Whole Foods or Stop and Shop or Big Y or wherever you go, resist the urge to take out the old guy who's going to your checkout lane. <laughs> You're all going to get through this eventually. You can take a breath and let it go. Maybe God is inviting us all to change the world that we're driving in.
I suspect so. I am the son of a state trooper. My brother and his wife state troopers. Their son is a state trooper. I've spent most of my life looking in the rearview mirror, a little nervous. I'm convinced that if we would let the sedan that cuts us off and makes it through the yellow light, if we'd wave at them with all five fingers and say a prayer, <laughs> we can change the world in which we live, my dear sisters and brothers who are driving. When was the last time you reached across the table and held your beloved's hand, might be a spouse, a child, a friend, and said, honey, let's say the Our Father. And you, covenanted in baptism and anointed priest, prophet, and king, we all are, can make that moment in the easiest of ways sacred. And maybe God has plucked your heart with the memory of someone you haven't thought of in ages, and you don't text them or send them an email, but you actually take a piece of paper and write a note. I've thought of you recently. I'm not sure why. You're in my prayers. I hope everything's well. Put that in the mail. You don't know why, but God does. And you can change the life of that person. Jesus knows your name. Every one of us. We're God's beloved, and we're not alone. Remember Paul's letter to Romans. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Nothing. And if you've been too busy this Lent, too distracted, too anxious of late to make any intentional moves to make a difference in the world, it doesn't matter. Because Jesus is with you now. And every moment ahead of us is an opportunity. Maybe for the remainder of Lent, rather than continuing to give something up, you take something new on. Take a walk with Jesus and see your world through God's eyes, as if for the first time. Let Jesus work through your smile, your hands and heart. They're needed, and the ways for you to join in are too many to count. Open your eyes. Connect to new possibilities of grace, new ways to be a part of God's mission, and dare to be a source of goodness in the world. Amen.